This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode from City Hall, another conversation with Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza. Good to sit down with Mayor Alorza again for his second appearance on the Bartholomew Town Podcast, this time prompted by his unveiling of the new Providence. Now, that's a concept that he rolled out at the State of the City Address just about a month ago. So we break down what exactly the mayor means when he speaks of the new Providence, how that impacts some of the major concerns that face the city. Of course, the beleaguered pension system, the educational challenges at minimum challenges uh, that the city has faced for quite some time. A jam-packed episode here on Bartholomew Town. Now, I just came from a press conference in which Governor Raimondo declared a state of emergency here in Rhode Island. This, of course, related to COVID-19. For the latest information on this matter, search for the podcast or me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and we're working right now to get the director of the Rhode Island Department of Health, Dr. Nicole Alexander-Scott, here on the Bartholomew Tom podcast. Um, Obviously, a busy time in her world, as busy as it gets. We're trying to make that happen as soon as possible. So, that's the latest we have. Again, follow the social media accounts for the daily, um, sometimes hourly updates that I'm posting there. Support for the Bartholomew Town podcast comes from Newport Vineyards. Uh, my name is Paul Nunes. I am the co-owner and uh, farm manager here at Newport Vineyards. I've been at this since 1995, and so this is our 25th year. We're the largest producer of estate-grown wines in New England currently. All of our farmland is... Uh, conserved in partnership with primarily the Equidnick Land Trust, a local nonprofit organization dedicated to the uh, conservation of open spaces. Discover more at newportvineyards.com. Hello. All right, so we are here in the mayor's office at Providence City Hall. Good afternoon, Mayor. Thanks so much. Well, good afternoon, Bill. It's great to have you here. A real pleasure. So, at the State of the City just a few weeks ago, I guess it was about a month ago now, a concept you rolled out, the New Providence. Uh, WPRO Steve Clampkin, I think he counted it 41 times That's in it. the speech. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get right into, if, if you don't mind, sort of yeah. the gist of what that means. I right. think broadly we know what it means, but uh, yeah. in Providence residents, but for everyone in Rhode Island, what does that mean? I think it, it starts with the, with the realization, frankly, that the providence of today is very different than the providence that I grew up in and that many other folks throughout the city grew up in. And it begins with, you know, 40 years ago, providence was not known. City Hall wasn't known as a place uh, uh, that was known for integrity, that was known for transparency, that was known for honesty. And so we've changed that and we've been very responsible with all the decisions that we've made. And uh, fiscal responsibility is is an important piece of that. So now we're making our full pension payments. We finished every year with a surplus. We have a rainy day fund, a real rainy day fund for the first time in probably decades. And uh, our credit rating has been upgraded and we're in a better financial position than frankly we've been in in a really, really, really long time. This isn't something that Providence has historically been known for and this is the new Providence. And now that we're, you know, we have our finances in order, Now we're investing in ourselves. For decades, we've deferred maintenance, both in our public schools and in our public infrastructure. Now, finally, that work is being done. We have $500 $500 million 
half a billion dollars of infrastructure that's coming over the next five years, more than we have ever seen here in the city. And again, it's a change in approach, means planning for the future and uh, making these investments responsibly rather than waiting for things to break and then going back and fixing them. You know, when I was growing up in Providence, our city wasn't known for being a safe city. And now, you know, it's the safest that it's been um, in all, you know, in the entire time that the FBI has kept records. Um, shootings are down over 65%, and uh, we're building stronger relationships with the community. This has been a long time in coming, but the results speak for themselves. Um, economic development. You know, the, the, um, the city that I inherited even six years ago, there wasn't much happening in terms of private investment. Now cranes in the sky have been become, they've become a fixture of, uh, of our landscape. We have so much happening both here downtown and out in our neighborhoods. So we're turning formerly abandoned vacant properties, bringing them back to life and uh, contributing to the community vibe and spirit. And then, you know, the last piece of it is when I was growing up in Providence, it, you know, it, there was a sense that you had to know a guy to get anything done in City Hall. You know, we've used technology, we created our 311 system, we keep track of every single complaint that comes in, so now you don't have to know a guy, you don't have to support the right person. If you're a resident of our city, you deserve, deserve the same high quality uh, level of services as anybody else, and that gets delivered today in the New Providence. So that's the New Providence in a nutshell, and uh, you know, it's important to emphasize that you know, it didn't just start a few years ago. Some of it goes back long into the past and it's certainly something that you know we haven't reached that point yet. It's still you know New Providence in transition but on all these scores you know I think that we can all look up and be very proud that um, certain elements of our past we have left in our past and we've embraced change so that you know we can do all these great things that I just spoke about. Obviously we last year were not selling the water supply. There's always push back on the financial health of the city from different sectors. Yeah. Are you making an argument that long term, the direction Providence is going, it'll be able to, on its own, sort of work its way out of any challenges that it has? It's people, it's mm -hmm. innovations, that those mechanisms are what it actually will take to work out of any kind of debts. Yes, but under one really important circumstance, or one important condition. Um, so, you know, clearly, objectively, and I think everybody would agree with this, that our finances are in much stronger shape than they have been, you know, you go back even into the 1970s. So, so there's certainly something really positive there to celebrate. With that said, we still have the lingering unfunded pension liability and also the um, uh, unfunded um, OPEB trust. So these are uh, other post-employment benefits like retiree health care. So yes, we have those lingering out there. Um, it's not an issue that's, that is imminent, that we're going to fail to meet our basic obligations overnight. Even if a recession came, we're in as strong a position to withstand that recession as we've been in in a really long time. But it's going to require very, very responsible decision making over my next three years and then whoever the next mayor is, they're going to have to continue this. The mayor that follows after that is going to you know, have to continue these responsible decision makings. So that's the big condition here. Um, yes, we're going to be fine, but it's going to require some really important um, and at times some uh, really difficult decisions to be made, not just by myself, but by the folks who occupy this office after me. Anything imminent 
as far as a difficult yeah. decision that you're wrestling with right now? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, part of the challenge here is that we, you know, we can celebrate that our short-term finances, our mid-range finances, they're in much better shape. Our long-term finances are still something that we have to keep a really close eye on. And so the challenge is how do you sound the alarm that we can't take our eye off the ball with the long-term while at the same time celebrating that things are, things are good during the short and medium, medium term. So with that challenge, you know, we're currently working and putting together some ideas of how we can do two things. The first is continue to sound the alarm about the long-term challenges. And second, do some, you know, adopt some best practices. There are things that we can do that you know, won't necessarily be the once and for all solution to all of our challenges, but they're, they're smart things that a city should do um, that are gonna help that are gonna help with the long-term finances. And just as we're prepared to do those things, I'm sure that the next mayor is gonna have to do similar, similar things. So yes, all that work continues, but I think first and foremost, it's important to uh, make sure that this remains at the fore of all of our minds so that no one is surprised when uh, difficult decisions have to be made. You now everyone understands where that comes from and why they need to be done. So it's a mindset as well, this, yeah. this new problem in India. What, how, does, how do the schools fit into this? Obviously, that's, we could do a podcast series. I'm sure someone will do a series on Providence education, yeah. 1980 through whenever. Yeah. But you've, in your capacity now, you've sort of teed it up as much as you can, hand it off as much as you can and do you have to take a sit back and wait <laughs> perspective or how much can you get in at this point? Yeah, I'll tell you, there is no sit back and wait, especially with when it comes to education. And I think that, um, you know, education is part of this new providence as well. You know, we've put off deferred maintenance in our school buildings for decades, right? I went to these same schools and they had the issues 40 years ago. Um, but for the first time in a generation, half a billion dollars of infrastructure is going to go in, including $278 million over the next several years. So, so that, that handles the infrastructure side. Then on the instruction side, you know, again, I go back for the past 40 years, our, school, our schools have been performing as poorly as they are today. And I didn't become mayor to be the caretaker of a failing system. Um, you know that um, you know, I clashed with the teachers union for a good year and change. I called for, for a transformational contract. This is over two years ago. Um, and during the course of the negotiations, I came to understand that you can't do transformational change through the co regular contract negotiation process. The state laws protect the status quo in a way that prevents you from doing this. And, and at the city level, we also don't have the tools that folks at the state level have. And so that's where, that's where the conversation began. I remember sitting down for lunch with the governor. And uh, she saw what I had tried to do with education. And uh, she was very interested in doing something on education. And uh, you know, she floated out some ideas about maybe taking over some middle schools because that's, you know, those were particularly challenged and uh, partnering in different ways. And I told her, Governor, I'm all in. And if we're gonna do this, let's do this. Let's, let's do this full bore. So that's yeah. a few years ago that you're, or, or this is last year. Last year, this is well ahead of the Johns Hopkins report. Oh yeah, no, this is what led to the Johns Hopkins report, and so out of that, out of that conversation where we agreed, let's do this, uh, we agreed that step number one would be, let's bring in an outside group, let's do a review of the schools, 
and uh, let's get the process started that way. So that's how, that's how it began, and uh, it's part of the new providence because it's a challenge that we've had for generations, um, but we haven't taken this step yet. And uh, I'd like to think that we'll look back on this moment 20 years from now and uh, look back and say that this is the moment when the school turnaround began. So there's a lot of hard work to be done, but you know, um, uh, at the very least, for the first time in a long time, there's hope and optimism that change is coming. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Bartholomew Town, Rhode Island's podcast of record. New episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Listen wherever you get your pods or visit ripodcast.com. And a great way that you can support Bartholomew Town is wherever you're listening right now, leave a rating. Now back to my conversation with Mayor Lorza from Providence City Hall. Um, last area, I guess, would be mobility, whether it's bike lanes, which is, of course, everybody listening to this knows you're almost associated with that inevitably going forward. But that's a huge movement here in Providence. But there's also mobility concerns. I was hosting on the radio one, I think it was the day after the, your State of the City address. And I got a number of calls from constituents who were concerned that they were wheelchair bound, et cetera. In fact, I even met one um, during the special election for council. Mm-hmm. And there's this sort of broad concern about mobility, buses, affordable yeah. housing, how it all fits into building the city. Yeah. Where does that sit in the new Providence? Yeah, that's absolutely a part of our new Providence. And the truth is that Providence is about 20 years late to the game when it comes to multimodal mobility options. You know, you go to cities throughout the country, I think Minneapolis really stands out. But you go to New York City, you go to Washington, D.C., you go to so many places throughout the country and the world, and they've made designated spaces and lanes for bicycles, for scooters, you know, for pushing strollers, for running, you know, for people to use the streets in all of these different ways. And uh, so we're late to the game, but we're looking to catch up in the, coming, in, the coming, in the coming years. And the way that I feel about this is we need to construct a citywide network of, uh, of bike lanes and dedicated lanes so that it becomes just a matter of sort of a matter of course it's just of course as we're building a new street this is how it's built and these are the amenities that we put in and eventually people will become so accustomed to it and will adjust in the way that they get around so whereas right now there are a lot of people who don't ride their bicycle to work because it's inconvenient and maybe unsafe well now if you have dedicated bike lanes they start to change their behavior you know when I think about um, you know when I think about the use of the bike lanes Sometimes people don't necessarily see themselves as the, as the users. You know, but I say to folks, you know, think about being able to teach your grandchild how to ride their bicycle on one of these bike lanes and not be concerned about you know, getting, hit by, getting hit by a car or riding with your family and knowing that they're safe and secure. And so you know, this is certainly something that's going to benefit everyone throughout the city um, and, um, and it's about time that we invest in this way. So that, those are the, the dedicated lanes, but mobility stretches far beyond that. We're also investing in our bus rapid, rapid transit system here in downtown, so that as soon as you get to downtown, it's going to be very easy for you to jump on and off of a bus to get anywhere from the train station down to the Rhode Island Hospital. And every two or three minutes, you can hop on and hop out, and you can easily circulate anywhere. So you know, once you get to one place, then it's very easy to get around. And if you want to hop on a scooter, that's fine. You know, we have the jump bicycles that should be coming back to the city soon, so right. we're going to have the bike share program. 
you know, we have the uh, Waymo uh, uh, driverless uh, bus that's circulating in the Oneville neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. So we're experimenting and we're trying all these different things. But what we've learned is that, you know, our, we need to design our city for people and not for cars. And people are hungry for different ways of getting in and around the city. And we're providing all those options today. Last question, real quick. Any well wishes for ostensibly the, the councilor-elect? Obviously, there's still a general election, but he's unopposed. Mm -hmm. Councilor-elect will say Gonzalez. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we exchanged a couple voice messages recently. I congratulated him. You know, I think that he's an honest, earnest young man. Um, he's very bright. Um, he is very thoughtful. Um, he's been really engaged in the community since he's been around, and I know he's from the area too. So I think he has all the qualities that it takes to do a really good job um, in this very difficult role. So I wish him all the best. I wish him a lot of luck, and I look forward to working together to move our city forward. Mayor, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. As always, thanks for spending some time here in Bartholomew Town. I'll be back on Friday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm Bill Bartholomew. Talk soon. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.